Thanks for listening to this episode of The Narrative. Before we get started, if you've got a question or a comment for a future episode that you'd like us to address, feel free to give us a call or text us at 614-769-7077. Again, that number is 614-769-7077. Or you can send us an email, thenarrative at ccv.org. We knew this was coming. We have been preparing for this. For those of you who have been tracking, since Roe v. Wade was overturned in last June and the Dobbs decision came down, there have been six states that have had this issue put before their voters, and pro-lifers are 0 for 6. There's a lot of reasons why that happened. One of the main reasons is they were just ill-prepared. We are prepared. Welcome back to The Narrative. I'm Mike Andrews, and it's my pleasure to introduce a special episode for you today. Earlier this week, we hosted a live stream to discuss the recently announced abortion ballot initiative, as well as several of the bills that have been recently introduced in the Ohio House. Enjoy the audio from the discussion. I hope you find it informative and helpful. Well, Aaron, I'm going to uh, start with you. Probably one of one of the things that generated the most buzz around our office this week in a good way was the backpack bill uh, proponent hearings that happened the other night. And I want to just ask if you would give our audience today an overview of where we are right now with Backpack and, and why we're we're pretty excited about uh, the hearing that took place on Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks, Mike, for for all you do uh, with CCV. Grateful for you, brother. You know, the, the this was really a, a historic day uh, on, on Tuesday, because uh, for those of you who have been tracking with CCV for a while, you know, um, our heart has been to fundamentally reform uh, the education system in Ohio that's failing so many children academically and also trapping so many parents uh, in an education environment that is forcing dangerous ideologies on their kids, whether it's CRT or this LGBT ideology. Um, it, it's a very difficult situation for so many families. Um, and the only way uh, it's going to get better and what's going to get us on the right path is if we start funding students with our state dollars uh, and not systems. Uh, so that's what the backpack does. Backpack bill does is it it ties state funding to to kids so that wherever they go, the dollars follow. If those families want those dollars, right? Nobody's ever going to be forced to to access this if they if they don't want to use it. Um, and so that's been a, a big idea for a long time. Uh, Ohio's had some robust school choice programs, but this is really uh, taking us to the next level. Um, and, and the reality is when, when we first started talking about this, so many people said that can never happen in Ohio, um, is, you know, the teachers unions are too strong. The opposition is too great. Um, but we said, no, we have to start build, we have to start somewhere, uh, and start building the message and building the groundswell. Um, and so that's where we've gotten to with this, with the backpack bill. And last week or not last week, this Tuesday, rather, uh, we had our first ever proponent hearing on the backpack bill. Um, it's Senate Bill 11. Uh, it's Sandy O'Brien, Senator Sandy O'Brien, actually from my old neck of the woods, uh, the Warren area, Northeast Ohio, uh, is the, the sponsor of the bill. Um, she has one version of the backpack bill that's basically universal ed choice. Uh, so these this would be, it's a little bit different than the one we introduced last year with uh, Representative Reardon McLean. We worked to introduce with Representative Reardon McLean and Representative Marilyn John in the House. Uh, that's what's called an empowerment scholarship account that those dollars can be used for a lot of other educational environments besides just private schools. Um, but we had a hearing on on Tuesday and it was phenomenal. We packed out the hearing room. Actually, uh, they had to open overflow hearings because we had so many students and parents and education leaders there. 
uh, speaking up in support of the backpack bill. It went so well. It was one of those ones where by the end of it, you know, the opposition, uh, especially folks on the committee that were that that aren't supportive of the backpack bill, they really didn't have much to say because it's hard to argue with. Uh, it's it's better to fund students and not systems. Uh, and especially when you hear all these kids that say, this is why uh, school choice has helped me and we need to make this available to every family. Uh, it's so compelling. Um, so it was a really great day, Mike. Yeah, and you hit on something there that I thought was one of the highlights of the hearing, the kids, the students that came out yeah. and gave their testimonies. And not only did they give their testimonies, but they waited a long time to do it. Yeah. And shared some very, some very powerful uh, stories. These aren't anecdotes. This is actually how uh, school choice could help them either with learning situations or just educational preference in general. You can see the demand and the need for this in Ohio. Well, and especially when you hear kids say, I w- I'm able to learn about God in my schools, right? I'm, I'm like, I'm able to have, and for a par- as a parent who, uh, you know, is doing the same thing for my kids, it just means so much to know that I'm able to send my kids to a uh, an educational environment that's reaffirming our values, our, our, our beliefs. Right. And, and I would honestly say the truth, uh, the truth about how we were made um, and, and the truth about who God is. Um, so it was such a powerful day. I'll tell you, Mike, we're from here. Um, I believe there's another hearing scheduled for next week. Um, our hope is to see this get done uh, this year, even by the end of, even by June. Wow. Um, you know, the, there's both Senate Bill 11 is what we testified on last week. Troy McIntosh, who leads our Ohio Christian Education Network, spoke. Um, but also there's Senate, there's House Bill 11. Just so happens that they both got the same number this year, which makes things a lot easier for us. So Senate Bill, House Bill 11. Um, and that is sponsored again by Representative McCl- uh, Reardon McLean and Marilyn John uh, in the House. And actually both the Speaker of the House, Jason Stevens, and the leader of the Republican caucus, uh, Derek Marin, both said that backpack uh, is a priority for them. Um, and so we know the votes are there. There's there's more than majority support for both in, in both chambers. The teachers unions are being pretty brutal right now, uh, and the fight is going to be pretty heavy. So this is why we have backpackbill.com for people to speak up uh, and make sure they hear uh, your representative and senator here and the governor here that you want universal school choice. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Troy McIntosh, the OSIN executive director, just want to quickly shout out his testimony at the hearing as well, because wow. it, it was powerful <laughs> and it, it really unpacked uh, or really took down a lot of the issues um, that the other side would bring into this argument, I thought. Yeah. yeah and really, the only thing that uh, blew him out of the water was those little kids from Heritage out of Akron or Canton. Um, yep. They sat there for two hours for SB1, even before the the hearing started for them and, and they came, they walked up there, you know, well-behaved, put their little bit manila folder down and just ripped. I mean, that they blessed me. I mean, everybody in the room, their heart was gripped. And one little girl said she struggled with the dyslexia and she read her, her story and the teacher got right back up after her and started weeping and, you know, how she worked with her and she couldn't read when she got to the school. And I mean, just absolutely phenomenal hearing, but uh, Troy did his thing for sure. Definitely a, a mic drop moment. Absolutely. Uh, Without yeah, it, was, it was it was a powerful day uh, and there's still time to testify. So if you've got a great story, if you've got kids in your area that want to testify, there's going to be a lot more hearings on this here in the house, in the budget coming up. Um, but what's important is uh, is that you have to make your voice heard. You know, the 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 teachers unions, the lobbyists, um, there's a lot of forces that don't want this to happen, but the people want it and the representatives want it. The support is there. We've we've counted the votes. The votes are there. 
Um, now it's a question of, is there the strength and the courage to get it done? And that's where everybody on this call and all the schools and all the families all over the state, your voice is what's going to get this done. Absolutely. And I just want to remind everybody who's uh, watching with us today, we do have a Q&A session available. You can drop your questions in there. Just in the interest of time, we're going to keep moving and hit some of these different topics that we want to because we might answer your questions as we go. But if there's something we don't address, if we've got time, drop them in there and we'll keep an eye on that and uh, make sure that we're we're talking about the, the pieces of these um, in different bills and legislations that you want to that you want to hear about. Uh, David, I'm going to throw it over to you, uh, kind of do a, a twofold question here around some of the transgender issues and some of the bills that are being introduced or reintroduced uh, around that area, specifically Save yeah. Women's Sports and the SAFE Act. I know we had uh, a press conference with the SAFE Act yesterday, and, and yeah, um, yeah. we could start there, and then we'll go to Save Women's Sports. So just talk a little bit about the the press conference and, and where you think that uh, SAFE Act is in terms of the 135th General Assembly. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, you know, last GA we had SAFE Act. Um it, this year, the encouraging piece is that, Mike, we've got, um, you know, between Representative Click, we've got 39 co-sponsors. So 40 people, 40 uh, state reps, you know, already signed on to this bill. As you all know, we only need 50 votes, but 40 of them are actually signed on as sponsor or co-sponsor to this legislation. So that is extremely encouraging. Um, there's absolutely no reason. If it actually goes to um, the uh, the health policy committee. There's actually six co-sponsors on the committee, and you only need seven votes out of there to get to get it passed. So I, I want everybody watching that one very very closely. You all know save adolescents from experimentation. Um, you know we have several gender clinics, six uh, seven gender clinics in the state of Ohio performing these uh, procedures at some stage of transition or another. Um, you know puberty blockers as young as eight or nine years old, and then cross-sex hormones at 15, 16 years old. And, and then they go on, and we've had parents even tell us that we've got surgeries going on under 18. The, the important thing for everybody to understand, Mike, is that, is that this bill strictly just deals with uh, 18 and under. We're dealing with pediatric sex change procedures here in the state of Ohio. And, and as you mentioned, yesterday we had a press conference, very exciting. Uh, for those of you that, have, uh, that follow Matt Walsh, uh, What is a Woman?, um, we actually had um, Scott Nugent come in for the press conference to, to field questions and, um, you know, kind of go back and forth with Representative Click, who who had uh, just another encouraging mode, had uh, 20-some state reps standing behind him during the press conference. I mean, just very um, strong show of force and 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 what the will of, of the caucus is for this issue, um, which, which, which they're saying is a priority issue. Um, so... It, it was it was a phenomenal press conference. Scott, for those of you that don't know, is a what they call trans man. He's a he's a biological female who went through procedures at 42. The strength of his testimony and story, which will which will feature on our podcast next week, um, is 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 the harms that were done and the suffering that he's going through as as a, as an adult. Um, you know, who went through these procedures and, and he as a trans identified person is saying this should never take place with children. Um, those of you may remember the hearings last year, we had trans identified uh, man coming to represent an entire organization of trans identified adults who said this should not be taking place with children. We had Chloe Cole come in who uh, had a double mastectomy just as as a 14 year old girl and, and now she's all over the country telling her story. 
and doing a phenomenal job was just recently in Tennessee. So, so there's a lot of momentum for these bills. I believe right now, Mike, we've got about 27 states that uh, are engaged in this type of policy um, uh, regulations on what hospitals are allowed to do with these babies. And, and just we've got a few different uh, things going on here. Um, this bill will deal with um, the ability of doctors to be able to perform and prescribe uh, you know, medication, perform these procedures. We also have restrictions on what counselors and psychologists uh, are able to do without parental consent in terms of counseling um, in, in schools or out of schools. Um, and also there's a piece in this bill that discusses and deals with the ability to refer these kids out of state for these very same services. So very robust bill. We're all excited about it and, um, and, and can't, can't wait to see uh, you know, the, the hearing start, waiting for a bill number on it. And the, the, one of the big things on this uh, too is, again, it's, it's kind of like backpack, but in some ways even more intense because, well, maybe, maybe not. So uh, Justin, it's big business. This is the, 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 the money behind this. And, and some of you might've seen, again, David mentioned Matt Walsh. There was a, a, a video of, uh, of a, an event at Vanderbilt university where you had a hospital administrator talking about how much money they can make on these procedures, especially when they do them on kids. Kids, it's almost like the tobacco industry, uh, you know, trying to get kids to smoke at 10, 11, 12 years old because then they have a customer for life, right? You you get a kid on cross on puberty blocking drugs and cross sex hormones and and get them medicalized for the rest of their life, they're going yeah. to be uh, medical patients because it's, of this, it's been right? estimated have- 1.3 million Aaron over the course of a lifetime. And that's not even talking about complications. Yeah. And, and, and so it, it it's, this shows why the opposition is so, is so hefty is so big. Um, but again, we know we have majority support at the legislature. Um, we know we have a majority of this, this at in polls kills oh, like people, yeah. people know inherently it's wrong to sterilize kids. It's wrong to 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 be doing this to children, um, but again, this is where the 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 cap square, the Capitol Square swamp, uh, is mm-hmm. very powerful and very influential, and terrifies members, right, mm-hmm. uh, lawmakers. And so this is where your voice, uh, and again, I, I I say this all the time. I know Fox News and everybody gives all the attention to Washington D.C. Washington DC is more of a reality show than a policy making body, right? It, the the actual laws that impact our lives happen to the state house and your voice calling state lawmakers um, and reaching out to them. And we're going to have action alerts and all these things up on our website for you to take advantage of, to be able to make it easy to contact your lawmakers. Your voice makes the huge difference here. Yeah. And just to, to be completely clear on the safe act, this bill has not officially been introduced this general assembly, correct? We're still waiting. Correct. But the the cool thing about yesterday, the press conference was to actually introduce the bill. Yeah. And Representative Click actually walked over there with a parent of someone who was groomed into this thing. And then uh, Scott Nugent, a trans identified male, and they actually handed the bill over to the clerk at the state house to introduce it. It was it was phenomenal moment. So we should have a bill number even potentially today. uh, And we'll we'll obviously have that post up on ccb.org. Great. Great. Well, also along those lines, I mentioned Save Women's Sports. That is a bill that was introduced. Uh, the House Republicans announced that a couple of weeks ago with with some other legislation. Uh, David, can you just give us an update on Save Women's Sports real quick, too? Yep. Yep. That's coming back around. House Bill 6 
Um, this one, um, we've got about 18 states that have passed legislation in this, you know, with Save Women's Sports. And I know you've been, you know, many of you have seen, you know, you've got um, Riley Gaines uh, was the woman that um, young lady um, who at the NCAA championships came out and said, not only did this guy, uh, William Thomas, or, or he calls himself Leah Thomas, um, you know, beat all these women in the pool, breaking records and things like that. Whereas he was like 400th, 500th, you know, in the nation he ranked, you know, for the first two years of competing. Uh, now he's uh, he's first and, and, and fifth and, and, and it's just crazy. But she's actually coming out saying not only is he beating everybody in the pool, but he's watching everybody in the locker room and exposing himself at the time he had male genitalia and was exposing himself to girls in the locker room. And so she just recently came out talking about this. This is something that um, it really is a no brainer. And, and it, on this one, Aaron and Mike, I just I don't understand how this didn't pass last year uh, with so much um, people pushing for it. You guys understand before the NCAA championships that all the legislators over there like to talk about. This was ridiculous. This grown man winning all these championships. But then I tell them straight to their face, but you all said nothing when they competed in Akron. If we'd have passed this bill last GA, that person would have never been able to compete in Akron and make it to the NCAA championships. It's all about, um, you know, it's not about gender identities. You know, th this bill is about what people do with their bodies, you know, sports. And it's not about really taking um, anything away from anyone. It's simply to uphold Title IX, you know, uh, which basically defines, you know, rights for in education and sports for, for young girls. Um, and, and I think it's just it's clear to understand that, you know, when, when you're talking about this issue, and this is what we try to share with them over at the State House, it's not just about sports. It's about safety. It, it's, it's about scholarships for kids that have been working their entire life you know, to to compete on a higher level so that they can get scholarships and go to school, um, you know, and, and and so it's in thrive in academically. So this is so much yeah. bigger than just sports. Yeah. And, and I think I think one of the things too, David, about the you know, obviously media coverage is, is often very misleading. But, but this is one that really gets me because the, what the headline on this typically is ban on trans athletes competing, yeah. you know, gets introduced. Let me be clear. No one is banned from competing. Mm -hmm. No matter like if you, everybody has the opportunity to compete, right? But somebody with a, a biological male, no matter how they identify, is not allowed to play in girl sports. That that's yeah. what this bill says, right? So you can be a biological male and say you identify as a girl, or you could say you're a biological man and say you identify as whatever you want. You still just have to compete in the same class with the people that have the same biology and, and biological condition as you, right? Yeah. This would be no different than saying a, a junior in high school who they can say they identify as a sixth grader. They don't have a right to compete in middle school sports, yeah. right? I'm so glad you bring this up, the, the whole media side of this. This is probably, for me, it's the most frustrating thing um, you know, we're about banning something, banning, you know, these these poor kids from competing in sports. It's really about saving sports for women and for girls. Right. right. As soon as you let the first boy compete against girls, you have no more women's sports. All you have is male sports and co-ed sports. Right. Right. And so we're trying to protect the space. But on the media thing, even yesterday, uh, Mike, when I was at the press conference, <laughs> Scott Nugent got pretty frustrated and was started going off on the media 
like every time you know I'm up here talking about all this stuff that's going on, it's it's one of the greatest travesties known to America, and it's being uh, it's being done against kids. And you should be ashamed of yourself. There was an actual uh, cameraman that got tired of hearing that, and he literally spoke up from behind the camera and said, "What are you talking about? We're all here, you know, uh, watching you." And so last night I went right home, and probably about eight thirty, I, I got onto the uh, news network's website to see how they covered it. And sure enough, not a not a word about Scott Nugent, not a word about his his testimony. So yes, you showed up and heard every word of this powerful testimony, but you said nothing and you twisted the language to make it seem like we are coming against people rather than helping people. You just you just, you know, can't can't believe this stuff. Yeah, and and the fact that this type of legislation is necessary because 99.9% of these issues with a transgender identified individual wanting to compete is males attempting to compete against women. I'm not going to say there's yeah. no biological women attempting to compete against men, but you're seeing a preponderance of these cases going the one direction. That's right. That's and and I'm not mad that. at Aaron Bear for, for trying out for the women's wrestling uh, team. I mean, that's that's his prerogative, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, I'm glad he got a couple wins. But th- there was something that just happened um, in West Virginia um, an awesome federal court case. And I want to read what, what the judge says. He said, the fact is that transgender girl is biologically male and uh, barring medical intervention would undergo male puberty like other biological males. And biological males generally outperform females athletically. The state is permitted to legislate sports rules on the basis uh, because of sex and the physical characteristics that flow from it are substantially related to athletic performance and fairness in sports. That was what this federal judge said about Save Women's Sports. And it's as obvious as it is, it's sad that it had to get to that level. But here we are. Well, let's move on to another big topic from the week. And Aaron, I'm going to toss it back to you to start us off on this one. But we figured this was coming. The pro-abortion, a couple of pro-abortion groups in Ohio have officially announced uh, their ballot language and their intent to go to the November ballot with a measure that would enshrine abortion rights into the Ohio Constitution. Um, where where are we with that? Um, yeah. What should the response be from voters, Christians, all throughout Ohio? Yeah, you know, Mike, this is about as serious as it gets um, for for the the pro life community, for the church, um, for everyone who cares about um, the health and safety of women, um, and obviously unborn children. Uh, you know, the the well-funded, um, politically savvy groups in Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, Protect Choice Ohio, NARAL, uh, they announced uh, on Tuesday their ballot language to put uh, a constitutional amendment very similar to what they passed in Michigan uh, on the ballot this November uh, to create a right to abortion. Uh, now, they are going to say and the media are going to say that this is uh, creating a right to abortion up to viability. But the exceptions in this this bill are a mile wide that basically make it abortioned up till birth. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's abolishing um, the right of parents to say to, to to protect their children from the abortion industry. So no more parental consent before an abortion. Uh, you know, it's abolishing basically all health and safety standards for abortion clinics. Right. So so the, the next time there's a Kermit Gosnell um, and this time in Ohio, uh, the General Assembly will be powerless to do anything uh, to regulate these clinics because this is going to be enshrined in the Ohio Constitution. Um, we knew this was coming, right? This is why, um, this was not the only reason why, but it was one of the major reasons why uh, we started talking about we need to protect our state constitution and the General Assembly needs to refer something to the ballot this May 
to, uh, to, to raise the threshold to amend our constitution to 60%. Um, some of you have seen the stories. Um, there was a, the, everything was kind of moving forward to get this done. And then 22 Republicans in the Ohio House teamed up with 34 Democrats uh, to change who the speaker is. Uh, and it was Speaker Jason Stevens is, is now in the one running the show. Um, there was media stories that were saying that uh, a part of the Democrats teaming up with these 22 Republicans was this Constitutional Protection Act was was the, the Democrats didn't want to see this so that the, the road could stay clear for them to put abortion on the ballot. Um, and, you know, by all they, we needed to get this referred to the, the, the ballot by January 31st. And that very clearly did not happen. Now, I will say I've I've met with Speaker Stevens multiple times, and he has been very adamant that that did not happen. Um, and he's even said that he would support the 60 percent. But at this point, it's it's basically too late. Um, and now we could have tens of thousands, 20, 30,000 abortions every year in Ohio for the rest of forever. That's 20, 30,000 lives taken away if we don't win this campaign um, uh, because we didn't protect our Constitution. Um, it's very serious. Um, and it's something that, again, we Speaker Stevens has been very adamant that he did not do that. Um, but it's something that we need the pro-life community to keep uh, pressure and keep attention on these issues um, to say, hey, we need everybody to get in here to, 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 to protect our Constitution and to fight this initiative. Um, so that, that, that's the context of this. I want to set this, that aside, though, and talk about where we actually go from here. Um, we knew this was coming. We have been preparing for this. For those of you who have been tracking since the since Roe v. Wade was overturned in last June and the Dobbs decision came down, um, there have been six states that have had this issue put before their voters, and pro-lifers are 0 for 6. There's a lot of reasons why that happened. Um, and I, I, one of the main reasons is they were just ill-prepared. We are prepared. Um, you will be seeing a campaign roll out very soon with some very incredible leaders um, leading the way. Uh, CCV will be uh, helping lead that effort and, and be a part of it. And so be on the lookout even next week for some things. Um, and, and we're going to mount a very uh, vigorous campaign to expose what this is going to be doing uh, to women and to unborn children, to parents, to kids. Uh, it is massive uh, and it is going to be expensive. These folks the, the pro-abortion side had over $40 million in Michigan. The pro-lifers had about 20. Um, we're expecting it could be even double that here in Ohio, if not more. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is your call to to get involved, get involved with your local right to life. Um, you know, I see uh, even on our, our our Zoom today, I was looking at the list. I see our, our good friend, Laura Streetman from Cincinnati Right to Life is on here. Get involved, get supporting Cincinnati Right to Life. You know, Toledo, Dayton, uh, Cleveland, Columbus, um, Ohio right to life, all of them. We, we, everyone needs you right now um, because that's the only way uh, we're going to be able to stop this um, is, is with the body of Christ being engaged, being, being prayerful um, and also not being silenced. And, and I think it's worth saying too, Aaron, that we really need people to be informed on this issue because this is one of those things we know that we deal, we're dealing with wordsmiths that'll twist things and say whatever they want to, to fit whatever narrative that they want and reading the bill you can look over it and say, oh, well, that doesn't seem, that seems like it's not what CCV is saying this is going to do. But to your point, it's it's very clearly not putting up any boundaries, and it's certainly taking down some fences that are already in place. 
So you have to really kind of look at the, the meaning behind the words and what is actually happening with this language. And you hopefully can get yourself prepared to tell others about it, to, to um, communicate the severity of what this issue is on something that looks pretty vanilla if you just read through the language. Absolutely. You know, and honestly, Mike, the big thing there too, is we are going to have a ton of resources to help you do that ton of resources for your church, for your pregnancy center, for your community group, for whatever it is, you'll have, you'll, you'll have ads and, and documents and, and bulletin inserts and all types of stuff uh, for, for your church and for, and for you to understand this issue and know how to respond. Um, and there's going to be, we're going to be calling for volunteers to be helping. This is going to be a major major effort. Um, and, and, uh, and it's going to be, uh, again, um, all eyes are going to be on Ohio. We're, we're the only state likely going to have this on our ballot this November. And then in 24, uh, it's likely going to be, uh, in nine States. Um, and, and I've used this analogy a bunch. I'm going to keep talking about it because it's so appropriate the, guys. This is where Ohio is Gettysburg right now, right? Um, the bad guys have been on the march, uh, and 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 kicking butt, frankly, um, and now they have identified they, they're feeling really good about themselves, and they're coming up north. They're coming into the good guy territory uh, because they think they they can get this done. We have to turn them back here. We have we have to turn the tide on this fight, um, and and send them out. Uh, and because if they can win in Ohio, it's going to be really tough to beat them elsewhere. Yeah, it, it, this is. This is not incidental that Ohio is up next and it's the only place that's up next because now they right. can pour all of their resources in here. And right. it's strategic also because of really how last November went with uh, a lot of pro-life candidates um, winning elections here in Ohio. They're trying to send a message that Ohio isn't as red or isn't as pro-life as it seems to be. And it, it is going to be a challenge because there's there's a big fight coming this way, as you said, Aaron. Well, I see uh, we've got uh, our next panelist joining us right now, Paul Fitzpatrick from the 1792 Exchange. Paul, it's good to see you as we shift now from some of the the um, legislative issues that have been going on in Ohio. We'd love to talk with you about woke capitalism and how that's affecting businesses and things like that in our state. And I wondered if you'd just get started by telling us a, a little bit about the 1792 Exchange and specifically the uh, the corporate bias index that your company has produced. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, let me let me tell you very briefly. 1792 Exchange exists to protect freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and free enterprise. It's in this context of corporations that have been politicized. Uh, corporations historically and legally are obligated to maximize shareholder value, but unfortunately, in recent years. They've been weaponized. They've willingly, in some cases, and they've been actually unwillingly engaged in political fights that have nothing to do with their business. And so our organization exists to protect and equip small businesses and nonprofits, to defend conservative philanthropy, and to engage these woke corporations to try to encourage them to move back towards neutral. We're not trying to make corporations Republican or Christian. We want corporations to focus on providing excellent products and services, treating everybody equally and fairly, and certainly being good corporate citizens, which includes not polluting and you know, taking care of everybody. So part of our, our strategies, as I said, is to protect and equip. And so one of the things, and we've talked to, to people who are running large privately held businesses and small businesses and nonprofits, and they did not have an easy way 
to evaluate their risk. And what do you mean by risk, right? Okay, Paul. Well, what we saw really exploded in 2020 was nonprofits and small businesses getting debanked and deplatformed and the left divesting from them or denying services for political, religious, or ideological reasons. Uh, and so one of the things that we said is what we need to do is equip these folks really to protect themselves. So we developed this series of reports, the spotlight reports. And the first you alluded to is our corporate bias ratings. It's very easy. Your listeners can go to 1792exchange.com and go to the spotlight report. And the first is the corporate bias ratings. What that is, is we have evaluated now almost 1,100 companies. We've researched them, their policies, and what they're doing and saying in the public sphere. And we're rating them on their likelihood that they will cancel or deny service or divest for, again, political or ideological reasons. So it's a, it's a simple stoplight system, red, yellow, green, high risk, medium risk, lower risk. Uh, but we're not recommending that people running a small business or a nonprofit or a family make a decision just on red, yellow, green. We recommend that you go in, look up the vendors you're using. You can search by company name or you could search by industry and look at what they're actually doing and saying. Because what they have done publicly or using either, either their brand or their dollars or whether they've canceled someone or not or denied service it may or may not be relevant to you and what you're doing. So we're not suggesting folks make a decision based on red, yellow, green. Look at the details. And when you when you talk about services here, there there is that consumer services side of it, but also in terms of business, you're talking about the services that they need to in order to function as a business, banking, email services, web hosting, things like that, that should those be removed, this could uh, at least inhibit somebody from being able to operate their business until they find an alternate solution, correct? That's what we're looking at. That's correct. Think of it as maybe continuity of operations. That's one way that organizations think about it, whether you're a business or a nonprofit. If our bank shut us down today, what would happen? Or if our CRM or our web hosting or our payment processor, that's exactly right. Our our, our database is not intended intent, initially for consumers. Should I buy my coffee here or my coffee there? Um, that's really not what it's about. It's really about, like you said, continuity for small businesses and nonprofits in those key financial and operational functions within their supply chain. So if we're using this red, yellow, green system as business owners are looking at these reports, uh, if it's not necessarily a recommendation for these companies, how do you recommend that people uh, weigh the information that you're providing in those ratings? Well, we, we certainly stand by the, the data and we think it's very valuable. Um, and we do think folks should, users should take it into consideration. But we are not, uh, you know, the, the lawyer would make sure I would say, we're not giving financial advice, not an investment advice. Um, we don't vet these organizations on their price, nor do we vet on the quality of their products and services. That's really up to you. This is just one data point. Um, and again, you, there may be such a unique service that uh, a vendor is supplying that there may be only one or two options. What we would do in that case and say, you know, you, we've got to, we have a very niche tool that we've got to get. And there are only a couple of vendors who, who provide that. 
what we would suggest is that when when negotiating a contract or an agreement with that organization, maybe you print out the rating from our database, bring it in and say, hey, you did this, this, and this. We would like you to write into, would you consider changing the terms of our agreement so that you're not going to cancel us for ideological reasons? So that's just a way of using it. And in terms of ideologies, I do want to just throw it over to Aaron here quickly, because for our Ohio friends and our Ohio business owners, another piece of exciting news this week was that our Christian Business Partnership launched. And that's an opportunity for like-minded business owners to come together in what we're calling Ohio's first uh, Christian Chamber of Commerce. So a lot of these issues, uh, we're creating this organization that's going to hopefully have a little more power behind it, uh, strength in numbers, so to speak, to really help support that, um, uh, the ability to run your business in according with your values. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right, Mike. And, and I'll say this has been something, you know, that, that we've been seeing and, and talking about and praying about for those of you who've been following CCV, you know, this has been something we've been focusing on for a long time. Uh, and really over the last two years, uh, we've been traveling all over the state, talking with business owners, saying, what are you concerned about? And actually, the stuff that Paul just highlighted is is some of those very concerns of, you know, I'm afraid they're going to see that I made a political donation over here and I'm going to get canceled or I'm going to I'm going to lose my bank or I'm going to, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be They're, they're going to see that I donate to the, the pregnancy center down the street and I'm going to get, you know, uh, have lose clients or not lose clients, lose, lose my law firm because of things like that. These are things that are happening, stories that you've seen reported all over the place. And so, uh, and, and meanwhile, while all that's happening, we've been seeing corporate America and a lot of the chambers of commerce shift further and further to the left and kind of abandon their classical role of protecting free markets uh, and general free speech and, and, and personal liberties that, that a lot of folks understood the chambers of commerce to do. Um, and so as we were talking to business owners, what what we really found, and we formed that initial network of the Christian Business Partnership, which was just sort of a network under CCV, we decided, you know what, we, we need to build something bigger um, and something that can really uh, function and serve that old role that a lot of folks look to the chambers for. And that's where we came to this idea as a, a standalone Christian Business Partnership that is a full chamber of commerce. So what does that mean that we're a full chamber of commerce is... Everything you go to a chamber of commerce for, you can get now from the Christian Business Partnership, but also know that all of your dues and all of the, the revenue off of the services you get from the partnership are going to advance values and issues you care about. Uh, so, you know, I, I know a lot of folks get their health insurance through the Christian Business Partnership. They get their workers' compensation through, or rather through their chamber of commerce. They get their workers' compensation insurance through their chamber of commerce. They get their 401k uh, they get HR benefit, like HR uh, services and 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 things like that, and then they get advocacy uh, through their Christian through their Chamber of Commerce. Well, all of that is now you're able to get through the Christian Business Partnership, um, and we rolled this out. We have, we we actually soft launched it a few weeks ago. We rolled it out publicly this week. There's billboards and radio ads and all this stuff all over the state. Uh, promoting this. Actually, one of the benefits that you get through the Christian Business Partnership, if you come in at the, the sort of second level, the executive level, is we'll actually take uh, the spotlight report, the diagnostic tool that, that Paul Fitzpatrick was just talking about. We'll take we'll we'll take all of your uh, sort of different supply chain and, and vendors, and we'll run them through that system for you and give you a, a, a risk report uh, to show what, what's your risk levels at right now. Um, and and who what are what are possible things that you need to be looking at, and then we'll also be able to help you navigate what are what's good contract language that you should want to have uh, to protect yourself along the way. 
Um, this is going to be, you know, really, we see this as the beginning of a, a movement, uh, not just in Ohio, but across the country. Uh, one of the really exciting things too, Mike, that's, that's come out of this as well, since we launched is we've had different, uh, local leaders, uh, in towns across the, the country, folks from Reynoldsburg and Lima reaching out saying, Hey, we want to start a local chapter of the Christian business partnership, uh, and bring together local businesses to do networking and also get all the benefits from, from the partnership. Um, so for folks that want to join, uh, they can go to cbpohio.org. That's CBP, Christian Business Partnership, ohio.org. You can also go to the CCB website and get a link there. Um, but you can go there, sign up, um, you know, there, the, your membership dues, your, your, your health insurance, all that kind of stuff would go through. You, you get that from us. I will tell you, you know, we wanted to be really clear, both with all of the benefits we offered that we were offering as good as, if not better benefits than you'll get anyplace else. Um, so for employers from one to, you know, a million, you can get your health insurance through us. Um, and you'll get as good of, if not better of a rate, this is full health insurance. Uh, it, it you know, it's not a MediShare, not, not that there's anything wrong with the MediShare programs. Those things are great as well. Uh, but we wanted to make sure if we're going to build something and put the name of Christ in it, uh, we're going to be, do something as excellent, uh, or better than anything else out there. Um, and and grateful for our friends at 1792 for uh, really driving the conversation around woke capitalism uh, and making such a great uh, service uh, like the the diagnostic tool you put together the database uh, so folks can look into it. Yeah, we are we're so thrilled about what you guys are doing. It's exciting, Paul. As we as we talk about um, what you said, we want to we're hopeful to see businesses get back to to neutral. Um, do you see options like this, like the Christian Business Partnership, as being sort of the the tip of the spear is a way that we can uh, we can reverse those trends and start getting things back toward that more neutral position that you mentioned. I, I yes, I I think so, Mike. I think anytime groups of people get together and change their behavior, it is going to resonate with inside the company. So you've got the the Christian Business Partnership. That's one way. Uh, if if folks use our database, they print off the report, they go into their local branch, they happen to be a Bank of America client uh, with their small business or nonprofit, and they print off and they say, hey, I see you're doing this. Uh, are, are you going to cancel my contract or our agreement or deny us service? And would you change the terms of our agreement so that we, you won't do it? The more we change our behavior, it will ultimately force smart businesses to change their behavior. And, and let's be clear. Some corporations are run by kind of what we call celebrity woke CEOs. There's not much is going to change their minds. As long as the, the company's doing okay financially, they're going to keep doing it. But there are countless people, people of faith and just people of goodwill within these companies. Some of them are actually running these companies. They know it's wrong to have a politicized corporation. We want to show up as help. We don't want to beat them up. We, we frankly don't want all of them to quit and go work somewhere else. We want to be salt and light and help them be salt and light so that we can show up in a reasoned way and say, hey, when you do this, this is what it means to me and how it violates my principles, my faith, and it makes me not want to do business with you. Um, can you take this up to management or you're in management? And so that's a way we want to engage in a principled, reasoned, calm way, which I, I know you guys do in Ohio as well. Yeah, and that just sounds like such a, a different approach than what we're used to. We hear so much about, well, just boycott, just don't do that anymore. And you kind of you kind of leave silently. But here you're talking about engagement, actually engaging with these companies and 
maybe it doesn't get them to change, but at least you're planting a seed, right? Yes. And, and honestly, there, there are lots of ways you can engage. It could be just talking to the person at the checkout counter or your relationship manager, if it's some sort of company. But lots of folks here are shareholders. Uh, so you can engage that way as a shareholder. shareholder. You can go to meetings. You can go and dial into Zooms. You could submit resolutions. You could make sure you vote your proxies. Uh, you could write them. Um, again, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, if boycotts were easy and we were really good at them, we would call for them. But we're they're neither. And so we, we we think the engagement model is probably the better way to go. Now, having said that, I fully respect and I, I do it in my own personal life. There are times I say this company is doing things and supporting things and underwriting things and subsidizing things that are violations of either you know, my deeply held beliefs, my faith, our freedoms, that I am not going to subsidize that by shopping there. And I do that myself personally, and I think it's it's perfectly appropriate for people to do that too. But I think if it, it it's frankly hard to do with some of the products, and so if we are going to engage, going to keep to continue shopping and, and and you know engaging with companies, um, at least giving them our dollars, we might as well engage in a principal way. Uh, Paul, if you don't mind, could you just tell uh, all of our audience today how we can follow along more with what the 1792 Exchange is doing and. Um, some of the some of the places that you're providing information, um, your website certainly, and other you know social media accounts or any place you're active like that. Sure, uh, yeah, great, thank you. Yeah, 1792exchange.com, our website. Folks can get on there; they can see the database. We we've just launched the database on the website, so we'll be building out other resources. As I said in this series on the Spotlight reports, uh, you can put your name in there if you want to keep get on our list and follow what we're doing. Uh, we're on Twitter. We haven't gotten into all the other social media, but we're on there and just getting going uh, from that public facing perspective. And I'll I'll do a little self-service here. We just had you as a guest on our narrative podcast last week, and that's available for people to go check out. And uh, definitely, we scratched the surface today of some of those topics, but if people want to hear more about it, they could go check out that conversation. And um, Paul, I just want to say, we really appreciate your time. We want to be respectful of your time today. And uh, thank you so much for for joining us here for a few minutes to, to talk about what 1792 Exchange offers and, and how we can do... Uh, how, or at least how we can have options to to fight against woke capitalism. Really appreciate your work. Thanks, Paul. Well, thank it. It's my honor to be on here, Thane. I really appreciate all you guys are doing. Thank you. Hey, thank you. All right. Well, Aaron, uh, we've got a few questions that have come in throughout um, throughout the time today, and I just wondered if we could maybe catch a few of these in the last uh, ten minutes or so that we have here. Uh, a couple about the backpack bill and. I, I'm going to lump them together because they're all sort of asking the same thing about just the general timing of how this is going to unfold as far as votes go and things like that. And I'm going to guess that it's fair to say we don't know yet because it's going to be up yeah. to committees and stuff like that to to set those deadlines, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we have a two-year legislative session here. So really at any time over the next two years, they can they can move these bills. We think the best way of going about it is putting the backpack bill in the state budget. Um, that's what we're going to be advocating for. Um, and and the re the reality is, you know, the the we pass a budget every two years, goes from about January to June is that process. So by the by law, they have to pass the budget by June 30th. Uh, and most of the time they they meet that deadline. Um and and so we're gonna be really pushing to to get that this bill put in there. And and that's really the best way of going about it for a lot of different reasons. Um, so that that's really the the time frame uh going forward. And then um, there's a question here about, you know, with 
one of the places we've seen some disagreement, even with people that, that we would consider friends, is with how tying any kind of state funding to private schools and things like that may cause issues. Can you yeah. just speak a little bit to how how autonomy of those schools could be retained, even if the backpack bill or hopefully when the backpack bill passes? Absolutely. And this this is a very real concern. And, and what we always come back to and say is that, you know, for CCV, religious freedom is our first one of our first and foremost issues, right? And so we would never support any uh, legislation, anything that would uh, undermine the autonomy uh, and the religious freedom of of Christian institutions, especially schools. Um, the reality is that with voucher programs, uh, scholarship programs like the Backpack Bill, like existing Ed Choice. So right now, about half the kids in the state are eligible for a a, a voucher um, uh, through through the existing Ed Choice programs. Um, the way the programs are written already does not give uh, government control over curriculum. And more than that, and, and the way the backpack bills are written uh, does not give government control over curriculum. Uh, more than that, uh, a Supreme Court precedent says that. So we have had a slew of decisions over the last five years that have said very clearly, uh, if you are going to, be, if you're going to have a program like this, this is the key. You know, states don't have to have school choice programs, right? There's nothing that that compels them to do that, but. If they are going to have a school choice program, they cannot discriminate against religious entities that are providing educational services. Um, and so that is the key here is, is that for, you know, there's been multiple cases that have gone up to the court and the court has said, because you're trying, and, and in all of these cases, there you have states attempting to try to either force schools to teach something um, or block them out from act, from accessing the program because they don't teach certain things or they do teach certain things, the court has said time and time again, that is unconstitutional. Um, and, and the reality is we've had the, the ed choice program in Ohio for over 20 years. Um, and, you know, the vast majority of evangelical and Catholic schools accept ed choice. Um, and they have not, we've not ever had a school not be able to teach something um, because they take this. Now, Again, you'll get some people that say, oh, well, I know of this private school that takes Ed Choice and they've gone woke. That's not because they took Ed that's Choice. You know, uh, that, that's, that's because they had leadership that wasn't committed to biblical worldview, right? They had, they, they had, uh, they had folks on their board or folks in, in leadership or they had teachers that weren't teaching a biblical worldview. That had nothing to do with Ed Choice dollars. Um, and and you, I, always, I always come back to when people bring this up, I say, show me where in the law or in any law that Ohio has or will have does it say that they can't teach a biblical worldview? Um, but Mike, even to your point, even with all that, that there is nothing in this bill that would require anybody or any school to accept these dollars. Um, so if people still don't want to uh, don't want to take this the, these resources, they don't have to. They're able to completely opt out of the system, uh, and and will always protect and maintain that. Well, I'm gonna go to one here that could be a toss-up for either of you, so I'll let you fight over who's going to answer it. But uh, just in general, the question is, with with all the bills that we've discussed today, um, what's the sense from Governor DeWine that he would he would support these uh, bills that we support? I was going to let David do this, but he's got a bad back, as you guys, for people, people who listen to the podcast, and so he can't really carry the weight right now. Uh, oh, so, shots fired. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll take this. Governor DeWine has is, is, is been a friend uh, on so many of these issues, right? We have been expanding the school choice programs uh, for, for quite a long time. 
and he signed every expansion. Uh, and even in the budget he uh, introduced, he has an expansion of school choice in his budget. Um, it's not enough, though. And, and we have been talking with his office about the importance of expanding this uh, all the way to backpack. That Now is the time. You've had four states do this. Ohio needs to be next. Um, and what I will say about the governor is, especially on these things, on issues of life, on issues of family, uh, on issues like school choice and religious freedom, uh, he's very receptive to the conversation. Um, we don't always agree. Um, again, we're, we we have sued this governor before, uh, and we've also uh, had him come speak at events for us before. Um, and that's how we operate at CCB. We, we, uh, for those who are in authority, we are going to respect them and work with them as best we can, but we're also going to hold them accountable. Um, and so uh, we think all of our bills, um, you know, have, have a, have a good chance of, of being signed by the governor. But this is where, again, it comes back to all of us of we have to make the case, show the support is there, tell the stories, bring the data forward uh, to show the governor uh, and show everyone that this is the right thing to do for the state. Um, so we feel really confident our, about our ability to see these bills get signed. Um, but at the same time, too, nothing is guaranteed. And we have to make that case. A question about the uh, abortion initiative. And Aaron, you mentioned that there'd be some announcements coming in the next week or so. Um, Without giving too much away, this is going to be several organizations coming together under sort of one banner uh, in order to present a united front, correct? Yeah, again, I, I just can't say enough about the unit. And I, I will say, I don't think it's any coincidence that the Lord brought to us about a year and a half ago, the National March for Life reached out to CCV uh, and, and asked if we'd help orchestrate the first March for Life. And through that, you saw the pro-life community come together like never before yeah, um, and, and show up strong and, and, and work together. And, and there's more dialogue happening between all the pro-life groups um, than I've ever seen. Uh, created Equal, Ohio Values Voters, Ohio Christian Alliance, uh, you know, all these Cleveland Rights Life, Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio. Um, th th we, we have been talking, we've been meeting regularly um, and, and, you know, blowing up each other's phones on group texts, um, and, and all that kind of stuff of, of, Hey, how do we, how do we keep this going forward? How do we work together? Um, and so you're going to see a really unified front come out here, uh, in the next uh, few days and weeks, um, of saying, Hey, we're, let's do this together. Um, you know, we, we're, we're going to need more than just us to win, but if we're not united, uh, we have no chance. Um, and so uh, that's, and I will say that spirit, I've just been blown away uh, by by the spirit that's come together. Uh, and that requires all of us of uh, of surrendering, right? Unity does not happen without uh, without surrendering our own agendas um, and, and, and coming together. And you're seeing that in the pro-life, because we all understand what's on the line right now. And last last thing here along those lines, uh, there have been several requests for resources or kind of uh, quick responses, that type of thing. Those are the type of things that we're going to be producing yes. together and then sending those out for yeah. our friends and allies, correct? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that, everybody. And uh, we'll certainly make sure that you know about it through our um press releases, social media channels, things like that, because we're going to want as many informed people out there uh, being willing to speak up for the cause of life as we can find. 
Before we wrap this up today, I want to remind you one more time about how you can get in touch with us. Voicemail or text message to 614-769-7077 or email us at thenarrative at ccv.org. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Narrative, presented by CCV and produced by Wessler Media. If you found today's episode insightful, leave us a review or rating and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're your hosts, Mike Andrews, Aaron Bear, and David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative.